how is it more generous to the world and those around me for me to own my desire for leadership? That is how you become that badass version of you by being like, that's going to be hard and I'm going to do it. I hope that this episode is your nudge to follow your instincts and take the leap, even if it's scary, and even if you don't yet know what it's going to look like on the other side. Welcome to The Art of Speaking Up, a podcast that helps professional women access the limitless potential that lies within them. I'm your host, Jessica Guzik, and my mission is to help you find that spark inside you that has the power to transform your career in ways you may not have thought possible. I'm so excited that you're here. And now, on to the show. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much for tuning in. I am Jess. I'm the host of this show, and I am also a coach for women. I help women in the corporate world build confidence and find their voice and rise up and become powerful leaders. And today's episode is so perfect for that because it's all about upward mobility. It's all about advancing upwards in your career. And I want to talk about some of the fears that I think often prevent people from acknowledging that they want to move upwards and move upwards into those leadership positions and also um, prevents them from pursuing those leadership positions. I see so much in my one-on-one work of what women are really experiencing as they're grappling with decisions around how much effort they want to put into advancing within their organization or, you know, making a job change and trying to position themselves in that job change for a more senior title. And I thought it would be so helpful for me to talk about some of those fears and share my perspectives with you as a coach on those fears, because what I really wouldn't want happening for you is that you cheat yourself of something you desire based on thinking that you have about yourself, negative thinking that you have about yourself that isn't actually true. And I see this so often with the women I support and the women in this community that they underestimate themselves. But they don't think, they're not thinking like, oh, I'm underestimating myself. They're thinking, no, no, no. The other people are underestimating themselves. I'm estimating myself accurately, and I don't know if I have what it takes. I lack what it takes. And I feel like part of my work is to help undo that self-imposed brainwashing and help you see yourself more accurately. And this episode is really about that because when you underestimate yourself, one of the things that can happen as a result of that is you also underestimate what roles you have the potential to grow into. You underestimate how resourceful and adaptable you are, and you underachieve. You don't aim as high as you could aim, not because you lack what it takes to get there, because you think you lack what it takes to get there, and there is a 
big difference between not having what it takes and thinking that you don't have what it takes. And it is so important for me to try to help you see those differences so that over time, those thoughts that you have that tell you that you don't have what it takes begin to disintegrate and weaken and crack. And my hope is that that frees you to be like, oh, this is what I want. This is what I'm capable of. And I'm going for it. And that's what today's episode is about. When I was in corporate, and I'm still this way in in my career, building my business, like this is just my personality. I wanted growth. I wanted to keep moving up. And I thought to myself, well, if I have to show up every day for this job, for the same, you know, Monday through Friday as everyone else, I might as well go for the big, fun, cool, exciting positions, right? Like, if I'm going to show up here anyway, why not grow? Why not move upward? But I know that it's not quite so simple because I know both from personal experience when I was in corporate and went through my own journey of imposter syndrome and just from the work that I do with my clients, I know that the idea of going for leadership roles, putting yourself on the path to promotion, pursuing that upward mobility and growth, it can be really, really loaded. So here's what I'm going to do in today's episode. First, I just want to sell you a little bit on the benefits of upward mobility and the benefits of moving into higher leadership roles, because I don't think this is talked about explicitly enough, and I want to allow you to give yourself permission to also sell yourself on that if that is something that you want. I want to help give you the permission slip to go after those things. And then I'm going to talk about what I see sometimes getting in the way of women owning that desire and really going for it. And I'm going to share a perspective with you that I think will help you if you struggle to believe that upward mobility is possible for you and that you can be upwardly mobile and you can become a leader and you can succeed and you can have a very successful, fulfilling career doing that. I am so excited. And I'm just getting really pumped about this because I have a lot of episodes like in my creative queue that I'm planning to record all around this topic. I'm going to do one. It's either going to be a single episode or a deep dive series. It's just going to be on the financial component of upward mobility and the process of building wealth as you pursue leadership positions in corporate, because I don't think that is talked about enough. So I'm just going to be skimming over some of that stuff in today's episode, but just know there's more coming. There's more of the good stuff coming. Okay. So let's first just cover the basics of why you would want to move upwards. And I'll walk you through my thoughts on why. And this is from personal experience. When I left my corporate career, I was at director level. And the company that I was at just went like from director straight to VP. Like there wasn't a senior director level. And so the the director position where I was at was considered pretty tenured. And I was actually like quite young to have that title. And so I feel like I did go on this journey from like starting very much at kind of like the associate individual contributor level, moving through those titles, you know, manager, senior manager, and then up to director, and really experiencing the change. And so I'm speaking 
mostly from my own experience and what it was like for me. And remember that I only, only, quote unquote, got to director level. So a lot of these benefits that I'm about to tell you about continue as you go beyond that. And I really believe that it's important for us as women to open ourselves up to receive all of the goodness, right? To receive all of these things. And so I want to help you open your mind to what you receive professionally when you are in these higher positions. So let's talk about it, right? The first thing that changes as you move into leadership roles is you make more money. Not just a little bit more money, a lot more money. I'm going to do an entire series on this because I feel like this is a really important topic that is not discussed openly, and I feel like the lack of discussing it openly is keeping money out of the hands of women, and I do not like that, so I want to start that conversation. But the pay bans that you receive when you're an individual contributor, even middle management, like the pay band that you're in before you get into those more executive levels is many orders of magnitude smaller than what you get when you get into leadership levels. I will never forget the first time I got a significant raise. I thought there was a typo when I was told by my boss what the raise was because there were too many digits in it. I was like, this number is wrong. Like, this can't be the number. And it was not a typo. I just I just didn't understand in my brain what was available to me because I was used to like this salary and this is how much I make and I get like a bonus here and there. But it wasn't really in my mental vocabulary that I could generate significant amount of money in my career. So when I got that first raise, it really opened my mind to just how big the difference is in earning when you go from individual contributor slash middle management up into more leadership and executive positions. Now, like I said, I'm going to do a whole series, a whole deep dive on this. So there'll be more where that came from. But that is number one, more money. Number two, more interesting work. I strongly preferred the work that I got to do as I moved up. And every time I moved up a level, I enjoyed the work even more. I found there was less and less tasky work, repetitive work, painful work, you know, the kind of work where you're not doing creative problem solving and deeper analytical thinking. And I found that with every level that I advanced, the thinking got deeper. There was more room to be creative. There was more room to think broadly about how to add value. And in fact, that was encouraged and that was a big driver of success in those higher level roles. And for me, my brain loves doing that bigger picture thinking. And I tend to get really frustrated if I'm doing things that are repetitive and my brain gets bored really quickly. It likes a lot of stimulation. It likes complicated problems. It likes to be thinking really deeply. It likes deep introspection. And so I found that as I was in these higher roles, that's what was required of me. It was much less about like, go get all these things done. And it was much more about, please think deeply about this and tell us what you think. And part of the reason this is able to happen, obviously, is because as you move up into those roles, you have a team doing a lot of the executing for you. So your brain space is no longer 
being consumed by how do I execute this? And you have all this space to think about how do I get the most out of my team? What is my team's mission and how do I guide them in a way that really serves the organization? And I found that to be so fun and so interesting and so much more stimulating than cranking out some of the, you know, repetitious stuff that I had been doing. So that is one part. The third benefit that I think a lot of women don't think about is having a bigger impact. And I don't just mean having a bigger impact in terms of like you're doing bigger projects and you have, you know, a bigger scope, which is true and that's part of it, but also having a bigger impact in terms of work culture, corporate culture, your team's culture, management and people philosophies. What I really want you to think about is that everything that is a part of the culture at your company, from the hours that people work, to how people treat each other, to how people communicate, to how much people are paid, like literally every single decision that informs an employee, the employee experience is influenced by upper management. And the closer you get into upper management, the more you influence a bigger slice of those decisions. And when you are heart-centered and you are someone who cares about people and who is motivated to support others, you get to bring that with you and you get to spread that culture and philosophy wherever you go. I really want you to think about if you were the CEO of your company, you could decide what the culture is. You could decide how your company operates. You could decide what you want it to be like for people to work there. But it's not just the CEO that gets to to decide that. The closer you get to that on the org chart, even if that's not where you get to, the more influence you have. Because leadership and management make so many decisions, not just even the tactical decisions of like, how are we going to run the company, but even just the way they show up and act and behave has a huge impact on company culture. And so when you are in those positions, you have an impact on company culture. And I really want you to think about this. Okay, here's how I think about this. And here's sometimes what I share with my clients is... I remember like my first few jobs or my first few bosses that I had, and I remember being in on some projects and doing certain things that just felt like so hard, so unpleasant, so difficult working, crazy hours, just like all of these things that made it feel so hard and so painful. And what I realized is when I am in a leadership position, I'm going to get to make sure that someone else doesn't have that negative experience that I had. And the same is true for you. When you have influence and when you have authority, the people that enter into your organization, your company, your team, whatever it is, they're going to have whatever experience you create for them as the leader. And as the leader, you get to decide that. And to me, that is so important within the corporate world. And it's one of the reasons, one of a few reasons why I feel very strongly about supporting soulful, sensitive, smart women in becoming leaders 
because I believe that when more women who are thoughtful and kind and big-hearted and introspective, as more of those women take up leadership positions, cultures will continue to change for the better. And people that are entering the workforce or maybe that have been in the workforce for a while will have better and better experiences. And I think so often, sometimes I think as women, we can, it can be really hard for us to just want things because we want them. It can be hard for us to to be self-interested and say, like, I want this just because I want it because it makes me happy because it brings me joy and pleasure. And I see this often with women in ambition. It can feel like very selfish or like you're taking up so much space to say, I want a super high level executive role. And while I think that we should be more selfish and we should take up more space, I also think that in addition to that, there is a huge selfless motive in moving up. And that is that your attitude and philosophy and who you are is going to have an influence on many other humans. And I think that this is extremely important because if you have the potential to be a really effective leader and you don't step into that because of doubt or fear or hesitation or whatever it is that is standing in the way, it is not just you that misses out. It is other people that miss out. The people that would have stepped into your team or your organization or your company or your culture and who would have experienced your leadership and all of the positive things that come with it. And not everyone wants to be a leader. Not everyone has that ambition. And so my view is that if you do, I think in some ways you're cheating, not cheating, like you get to do what you want in your life, but like other people are missing out because you're not stepping into it. I want you to think about, like I'll use myself as an example. I spent my whole career searching for a female role model that actually inspired me and I struggled so much in finding that. I want you to think about there's going to be someone out in the workforce 10, 20 years from now, just like me, searching for a female role model. And you might be the person that she finds and, and says, finally, someone who's doing it in a way that resonates with me. And you might be the reason she says, you know what? I am going to go for it. I am going to try to build this bigger career because I see her doing it and I like the way that she's doing it. So when you think of becoming a leader, rising up, becoming an executive, don't forget about the actual leadership part, which is where you get to change and impact people's lives and especially their careers and their professional experiences for the better. It is a win-win. You win and other people win. And I think that that is so important because if you are very heart-centered, if you care about people, if you're very giving, if you're very generous, I really want you to think about how it is more generous and more giving for you to be in higher positions and be taking up more space in your career. And I really, really encourage you to force your brain to answer this question. How is it more generous to the world and those around me for me to own my desire for leadership? So that is, for me, those three things I shared, more money, more interesting projects, more influence, those for me are the key reasons why upward mobility was so interesting to me because all of those things were highly appealing to me. And so 
I wanted to share those with you to just help you see it, help you own the desire if you have that desire within you. And now what I want to do is talk about what I see in terms of women hesitating to own their desire for upward mobility, own their desire for promotion, own their desire to become a leader or an executive. And I want to share a perspective with you that I think will help you question any hesitations that you have. So what I see most often is the fear of whether or not a person can handle what is required in a more senior position. And this makes sense. Anytime you move up, you are moving into something you have never done before. So it is very unlikely that your brain is going to be like, yeah, I feel ready. Let's go. Let's do it. Like, that is not how human brains work when it comes to things that are new and expanded and things that feel higher risk. So just so you know, like, it's it's highly unusual if someone's like, I want you to step into this new thing that you've never done before and it's bigger and more people are watching and we don't know what's going to happen. Like, it is very unusual for a human brain to be like, we, let's do it. At least the brains of the people that are attracted to my work. There might be people out there whose brains are like, yeah, I love unknown scary things where people are watching and I might fail. Like, there could be people out there, they for sure will not be attracted to my work and to my podcast, right? So if you're here, you probably are someone who likes a certain degree of predictability, who struggles a bit with uncertainty and the unknown, and who wants to stretch yourself, but who finds it scary. And so I just want to normalize for you the experience of something new feeling really unknown and scary and heavy. And I also want to normalize for you this fear that I see around the amount of space that you have to take up. As you move up, yes, everything is bigger. The work is bigger. The projects are bigger. The meeting rooms are bigger. Everything gets bigger. And so, of course, if you know that you question yourself in your current role and you question your competence and you don't feel confident in the meeting room, of course, then when you think of moving up into something higher, your mind is going to freak out and be like, hell to the no. <laughs> like, this is crazy enough as it is. You want to make this bigger? Like, what are you thinking, right? But what I would want to offer to you is that learning to stretch into uncomfortable things, learning to feel solid in your ability to navigate the unknown, learning to not psych yourself out of speaking up in a room that's bigger and more intimidating than any room you've ever been in, those are skills that you can build over time. And so for every obstacle that your brain might offer you around the idea of moving into an elevated role, for every obstacle that your brain offers, whether it's the size of the projects or the size of the meetings or how many people are watching or the potential for failure, like whatever obstacle you can think of, there is a corresponding capability that you can build that will help you navigate that obstacle. And most of those capabilities fall under the bucket of mindset, your ability to believe in yourself and your ability not to slow yourself down or get overwhelmed or doubt yourself or question yourself when you step into something that feels difficult. And 
what I want to offer you. This was my experience in corporate, and I have seen this time and time again with my clients who step into bigger opportunities. While it is true that it does require work and effort to build the ability to stretch yourself without snapping, right? So you can stretch into something and it can feel hard and it can feel stretchy, it can feel difficult, but that doesn't mean you break. It means you adapt to it over time. That is something that you can learn to do. And once you learn to do that, you have that ability with you forever. So you learn that once, and it doesn't mean that the hard situations aren't hard. It just means that when you anticipate growth and you anticipate new hard situations, instead of it feeling too hard for you to even pursue, it feels hard, but in a way where you know that you can navigate it, you can handle it, you can manage it, you can come out on the other end, and maybe you can even thrive. That is something that you build through challenging yourself and showing yourself that you can do it. But you only build that when you give yourself the opportunity to stretch and you show yourself that you can rise to the occasion. Now, once you build that capacity and that inner strength, you've got it. It's not going away, right? You are not going to revert to the person who you were before, the person who was too scared to stretch themselves. You are a new person who might be scared to stretch themselves, but not too scared. There's a difference between being too scared to stretch yourself and being scared, but doing it, doing it anyway. And once you become the kind of person who does it anyway, you don't go back (laughs) to being who you were before. And all of those benefits that I mentioned to you the pay, the scope, the influence, those things stay forever. So you go through one process in your career, in your life of building the resilience, building the ability to stretch, getting the leadership skills, right? Becoming the person you need to be to stop stagnating at the same level and start moving upward and forward. You go through that process, you build that internal fortitude once, and you reap the benefits forever. You typically don't move backwards in your career, right? So it could be the difference between staying at the same level forever, even though you want to move up, just because you're scared of the unknown and being there for the rest of your career, or taking a leap, doing something scary, stepping into something that you know is going to challenge you, going through the hardness of all of it. I'm not saying that it'll be easy, but opting into it, knowing it won't be easy, and then building all of the skills and fortitude that you build along that journey, and then having those skills and being on that upward trajectory for the rest of your career. So what I'm really encouraging you to do is not just think about like this one to two years of transition and how hard that would be. Think about what those one to two years of transition into something higher will do for the rest of your career. How do those one to two years that you spent cultivating skills, leadership capabilities, confidence, inner strength, your voice, right? How do those one to two years spent focused on that influence the next 10 to 20 years? That's how I think about it. And when I look at that picture, 
I'm like, of course it's worth it. If I can zoom out and see the bigger picture of my life and my career and who I want to become, it can't possibly not be worth it, no matter how hard it is. And for me, that is what has forced me over and over, not forced me, but motivated me over and over to continue to pursue my heart's desires in my career, whatever it's been at the time, right? So I went to law school, decided I wanted to do management consulting. That was terrifying. I had zero skills in that area. I had gone to law school, which does not match up at all, at all with that career path. People would ask me all the time, do you use your legal skills? And I think the answer that they were hoping to hear was like, yeah, oh my gosh, like you wouldn't believe how much my legal skills have helped me in my corporate strategy career. But the answer was always like, actually like, no, like I read a ton of case law books and I showed up for these boring ass law classes. I I apologize law people, but law school was so boring. (laughs) And I hope I'm not offending anyone, but oh my gosh, those books, there were thousands of pages long and they were so dense. But anyway, no, like that didn't help me. And then I took a leap from there, you know, into into positions where I was missing knowledge and missing background. And I accepted promotions for roles where I had never done that level of work before. I continually leapt into things and said yes to things before I had the toolkit. But Because I did that over and over and and because I was willing to do it the first time I showed myself, I can figure this out. I can learn this. I can handle this. And so for me, it's worth it to follow your heart and it's worth it to go into something even if it feels scary because ultimately the capacities that you're building in that process are so damn valuable. There is nothing that can replace them. And for me, It's not even about the result that it creates in your career of you moving upward. It's about who you become, right? That is how you become that badass version of you by being like, that's going to be hard and I'm going to do it, right? Like that is how it works. It's never that like all of a sudden it became easy. It's just that all of a sudden you stop being too afraid to move towards something hard. And I really believe that if you feel called to leadership and if you feel called to rise, there is a reason for it. And the only way that you are going to uncover that reason and figure out what that reason is, is to follow it and take the leap. So I hope that this episode is your nudge to follow your instincts and take the leap, even if it's scary. And even if you don't yet know what it's going to look like on the other side. Thank you so much for tuning into today's episode. I have another good one coming next week on kicking off meetings, which was a huge struggle for me in my career. So I share some thoughts that will hopefully help you kick off your next meeting. And if you want to go deeper into my work, I will direct you to two different options. The first is I have a free resources section on my website at justgazetcoaching.com slash free resources where I have a free video course on executive communication. It's called Speak Like a CEO, where I teach you how to speak in a way that will make a powerful impression on the people in the room around you. But you will also find a bunch of other free stuff on there that you can grab and that will help take you deeper into your journey of professional growth. And if you want 
personal help, like one-on-one help, and you want to spend time with me every week working on your career, your confidence, your voice, getting you on that path to leadership and promotion, both the practical stuff, like how do you make sure that in the next cycle you get promoted, but also the inner stuff, like how do you deal with the fears and finally just go for it and feel ready. If that's something that you want to work with me on, I invite you to apply to work with me one-on-one at jessgazitcoaching.com slash coaching, and I will drop that in the show notes. Once you apply, you will be on the wait list to work with me, and you will get to work with me as soon as a one-on-one coaching spot opens up. It's so good to be here with you. I am so happy that you're here. I cannot wait to continue supporting you along your professional journey. Have a beautiful day. Dream really, really big. And I will catch you in the next episode. Bye.